0: Hello everyone. Welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your one and only host, Monica. Thank you so much for returning. Today, I'm going to be talking about TV shows about race that I do not like. Now, here's the thing. So I'm a black woman, right? And I completely, oh, sorry. I completely understand that race in America is a huge issue. It is something that is very prevalent within systematic and individual experiences and I know that oftentimes media needs to uh, reflect real life and I think it's really great and awesome that there are so many TV shows with diverse casts and diverse writing staff and like diverse um, executives and showrunners and uh, exec- you know just like it's so amazing and wonderful to see people of color writing and creating stories relating to their lives and their own personal experiences and that they, these stories are being put in mainstream media. And it's awesome to see these people, these actors and these writers be rewarded, be offered deals, be shown in the spotlight and have a chance to shine and let their talent be on display. I think that's amazing. I think it's wonderful. And you know, these shows, they're all wonderful, great shows. It's just that these are shows that are kind of like, these are shows where a lot of the plot points within episodes are centered around political and pop culture issues. And I'm just not a huge fan of these shows. These are also shows that people often like tell me that they love watching. Like, it's weird when like I'm in a group project with someone in college and like the one white person in the group project would be like, you know, guys, I love Dear White People. Like, that's great, but I didn't really need to know that you liked Dear White People. Like, it's wonderful that you do, but that really wasn't any of my business. And, you know, these are all TV shows that I've tried to get into, but I kind of just, like, left it behind. And I've recently revisited them, and they just didn't pique my interest. There is a new show in this list. Like, there are two new shows in this list that did kind of interest me, and I did check them out for a little bit, but. I don't think I'm going to go back to them in any way. I might revisit them if I am if I'm bored, I guess, but I don't think I will be. So, I'm just going to go down the list of these shows and talk about the shows, you know, talk about the plot points, the people in the shows, what I think about them. And yeah, let's just get into it. So, the first show I want to get into is Blackish. Now, Blackish premiered um 2014, and I feel like 2014 was a perfect year for Blackish, like that was the year when people were really breaking ground talking about systematic issues and things of the sort. And Blackish came out in 2014, but you know what else came out in 2014? The film Dear White People, which was turned into a Netflix TV show, which I will be talking about on this podcast later in the episode. But I think that Blackish, it really was like it 2014 was the right time for Blackish to come out. And I did like the show, I did find it interesting, I wasn't initially that interested in watching the show because, um, kind of because of like how light-skinned the two older kids were and nothing against them or anything. I think Marcus, uh, Scribner, he's a great actor, he is hilarious as, um, Andre Johnson Jr. in this show. He also plays Bo in She-Ra, which is one of my favorite shows on Netflix. And I think Marcus is really funny and really talented in this show. He's really great playing Junior. And I do like Yara Shahidi. Like, she's obviously one of the best young actresses, but she's also one of the most visible because she's light-skinned and because Hollywood has a problem with colorism. And colorism is going to be a main component up, main component talked about on this episode of this podcast. I do love Yara Shahidi. Nothing against her. She's great as Joey, Zoe Johnson. She's very funny, she's very interesting, she's very confident, her delivery and all her lines are amazing. I think her character is beautiful and I think it's really fitting that she got her own spin off in ish looking at young people in college and I think that's a really awesome thing to happen for her and you know, shout out to her for getting that spin off she truly does deserve. But all in all, Blackish wasn't really like the show for me because it's obviously a show that like takes it's a show that follows an upper middle class african-american family and it talks about how they juggle personal issues and socio-political issues and that's great that's amazing that's wonderful and it's awesome that this show is being written by a black man and it is created by a black man and kenya barris he is very talented he is a great um he is a really great writer he is very amazing it's just it's just that this show isn't for me you know I don't need a tv show to talk to me about why you shouldn't say the n-word and things like that I do think that the show it's been on for like a couple of seasons like I think seven seasons I think the seventh season is premiering soon and I think in the first season it really was that kind of like Racism one on one kind of content, but as they continued on in the seasons, they did get into more deeper issues. I didn't really watch the show. I didn't follow the show that deeply, but I did kind of like try and keep up with it a little bit to see like what was going on to see if I would like jump back into it. Cause to me, Blackish was more like a comfort show. Blackish was a show I would like just put on if I was just like eating dinner. I just need something really quick to watch. I would watch an episode of Blackish, but you know I don't like I don't really like the comedy of Blackish. It's kind of corny. It's kind of cheesy. Um, The boss is just like a little too conservative for me. I don't know. Uh, I think that Anthony Anderson is a pretty good actor. But him playing a dad that's just trying kind of too cool. The dad's like, Anthony Anderson is a good actor. I know that he is. I know he's a great actor. But I feel like the comedy of the show isn't exactly his comedy, and maybe that's because I'm used to him being on like movies I would see on BET, Past Midnight, you know, maybe I'm used to him being in more raunchier roles That seeing him play a suburban dad is something kind of like not fitting for the works that I am previously associated with him, but you know, I love Tracy Ellis Ross. Tracy Ellis Ross is amazing. She has always been a phenomenal actress. A beautiful woman she is so great and I'm so happy that she's in this show because there's always like you know as a black person I always have like these actresses that I love and then I follow and that I cherish and then they end up on some network TV show or like some big um, movie franchise and then suddenly everybody knows who they are like oh my gosh where's this actor actress all our lives like where was she it's like she was on BET on those terrible movies that you would see after midnight they were rated R and BET would like bleep out every other b-word in the film but um you know nothing really against the show i think it's really amazing and great i do know that a lot of people love it i do know it has received a lot of critical acclaim which it does deserve and i do know the show also had an episode like covering um i do know that the show had an episode about postpartum depression which i think is amazing And they also had an episode where Junior talks about how he wants to take a gap year from college. And I think that's great too. I think it's really awesome that this show is taking issues that you don't really see in uh, family sitcoms. And because this show is a family sitcom and you watch these actors and these characters grow and change and be fleshed out throughout these seasons and be, you know, written and grown into different people, you see different things and it's very unique in that way and it's also unique because it's a black sitcom you know and it's set in the modern times you get to see a modern black family and how they move through the world with like family relationships and friends and neighbors and like how they feel in their own identity as black people as middle class people as young people as older people and I found it interesting that there was like a divorce plot put into the fourth season of the show I didn't watch all the episodes I just caught a few and I thought it was like really interesting but I just like didn't keep watching you know when you watch a show and you're like I know I should finish it but I just don't have it in me to care anymore that's how I feel about Blackish. and nothing against Kenya Barris I'm sure he's like Kenya Barris is an amazing writer and everything and he's great but like it's just not my cup of tea another thing that's not my cup of tea is mixed-ish now, I remember when mixed Dish came out and I have to say like, I just like, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how you feel about mixed Dish, because I'm watching the show. I watched like, I watched like the second episode of the series when it came out. I didn't catch the first one. I did mean to go back and watch the first one, but I watched the second one and I was like, this show is cute. But it's not for me first thing i want to say is that um i do think it's interesting that like the show is taking a look into rainbow's life i do think that rainbow is a really great uh mother and really interesting character in blackish i do love jennifer lewis i do i don't like how jennifer lewis is so mean to tracy ellis ross like i know the character names but i like to call them by their actual names and um i do love tracy ellis ross as a narrator like she has a beautiful beautiful speaking voice and I love that Tika Sumter's in this show because like the main thing I wanted to come out of mixed dish was Tika Sumter winning an Emmy like that's what I want or like a T a TCA a people's choice something like a nice look like I want her to have an award I want her to have a claim because Tika Sumter is a really great actress and she is very very beautiful and she deserves you know but obviously like one um the main thing I have against Mixed-ish is the fact that it's just a show about, like, mixed kids. You know, like, let's see things through a mixed kids perspective. And I understand that, like, kids who are mixed, they have their own identity conflicts that they go through. You know, they uh, they deal with feeling like they're not white enough or not black enough. Or if you're an interracial person, like, your mom may be Indian and your dad is, like, from... Puerto Rico then maybe you don't feel like you're one or the other and you kind of feel in the middle and you feel like you have to pick a side and I found it interesting like the second episode is basically like um, Rainbow who's 12 and how her younger brother was able to fit in with one group of kids and how her younger sister was fit- was able to fit in another group of kids but Rainbow just felt like the weird one out so she didn't know where she fit in And she just felt really weird. She didn't know where she belonged. And I do think that that's a really great message for young children. It's just that like this show. The fact that this show was greenlit. Shows the bigger problem in Hollywood with like colorism. Because the biggest actresses who were the biggest younger actresses for the like the majority of like the 2010s was Yara Shahidi, Amanda Stenberg, and Zendaya. Especially Zendaya. We love Zendaya. We stand Zendaya. Nothing in Zendaya. But you know, Zendaya is someone who is just like, when people think of a black actress the first person they think of is Zendaya. And Zendaya is black, but she's not like, you know, she's mixed, you know? And I don't say that to be derogatory or rude or mean. I know that there are people who are light-skinned and they get upset when people call them yellow or people call them red bone. I know that, I understand that. You don't like being called those things because that makes you feel less black. It makes you feel like you don't belong. I would like to counter that argument with the fact that like, I am black, right? Black, 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 black all the way. And like, I'm not dark, but because of my melanin, I've had to deal with certain things that light-skinned women will never have to deal with. Light-skinned women are always seen as romantic partners. Light-skinned women are always seen as dental Oh, sorry, they're always seen as delicate and gentle and loving. And in movies and TV shows, light-skinned girl is sexy. She's attractive. She is a love interest. She is quiet and demure and she's submissive. The darker-skinned friend is loud, aggressive. She is unwanted and she's seen as the D girl. You know the second-rate girl and it's very true in Hollywood you know Letitia Wright she was cast on Black Panther and she is an amazing actress in her own right and she is phenomenal you know but you can't really say with a lot of confidence that she would have the same career as Zendaya you know I'm sure that Letitia dealt with her own stipulations in casting with her being maybe a darker shade of tone and oftentimes you know darker skinned black women are seen as more aggressive and less desirable and desirability also plays a huge part in casting you know it's the main reason why younger actresses are play are cast as the love interests for older men there's a main you know there's a reason why older men are seen as like sexy and like attractive and still cast as love interest in films but if you're a woman and you're over the age of 40 you're cast as the mom or the grandma you know. And it's the same way in black Hollywood I guess because darker skinned black women are just seen as less desirable and it's nothing against the young kids in this show they're all great. Like from the episodes I've seen in mixed Dish, they're all amazing actors. They're all very talented. They're really funny. And, you know, I think that mixed Dish is a really cute show. It's really wonderful and it's really sweet. But like, I know that even if mixed Dish wasn't a show, they still probably would have found employment in some way in hollywood because if you look at netflix and you look at the array of black girls in their young teen shows all of the black girls are light-skinned all of them all of them are lighter than a paperback like a show that i really love on netflix never have i ever it's an amazing show about an indian american girl and how she is in love with this super hot guy and she has her asian friend and her black friend and her black friend is so light-skinned she could be puerto rican you know and as great as the show is and as sweet as as loving as the show is the fact that the kids are mixed kind of like threw me off a little bit you know the show does make a good the show does make good points at times about how like tika sumter and like i think paul grocer is grosser, grosser is the man's name? I'm not sure. Let me look this up real quick. Um, Mark Paul Gosselar. Okay. Yeah, Mark Paul Gosselar, by the way, he looks really good in the show. Let me not simp for him for a second. Let me not simp for a second. But yeah, Tika and Mark make a very cute couple and they're very sweet. And in the second episode there are some very interesting lines, you know? Like, how are people still racist in nineteen eighty five? Which is like, obviously, that's a phrase that people still use today. Like, how are people still racist today? Like, racism is a prevalent thing that exists in many systems and exists in many people's hearts. You know, like Ruby Rose was the young black girl who went to like the first integrated school in like Little Rock, Arkansas. And she is still alive today. She lives in the Bronx. So it kind of shows how racism is still alive because that young little girl was integrated in that school and little kids that were her age were raised by the parents who were yelling at her and screaming at her as she walked into the school that was integrated. And since she's alive today in the Bronx, those kids that were raised by those racist people yelling at Ruby Rose are also alive today and probably teachers, senators, cops, they own Starbucks, what have you, you know? So. I guess like yeah that's like an interesting line to put in the show. And also the show is set in like 1985. It's meant to show like the free era of 1985. And yeah I guess like the show was trying to paint 1985 as like this chill um, time in America where America was on the cusp of progressiveness. But I think that's just told by one person's perspective sure that like later in the series they take a darker note into the tone of race because you kind of have to but you know I also like I find it interesting when you have a show with like a mainly light-skinned cast how do you are you gonna tackle the issue of colorism because I feel like if you tackle the issue of colorism with the majority light skin cast, the only resolution you'll come to is that, okay, but we're all black, so why should we care about the lightness of our skin? We should all just work together. When does it work like that, you know? Um, it's shown in statistics that if a criminal has a darker skin tone, that they might receive a harsher sentence because they are perceived as more aggressive. They are perceived as more violent. You know, the shade... Of your skin, really does like factor into people's prejudice, regardless of your race, um, and it transcends even like America or like black communities. Like in the De- Dominican Republic, right? If you're dark skin in Dominican Republic, there was a point in the Dominican Republic where if you were dark skin, they would deport you to Haiti because they think of all Haitians as criminals. You know, colorism is not just in dating preferences. Colorism isn't just something in casting of movies and TV shows. Colorism is something that transcends you getting your feelings hurt because someone called you red bone. I understand that hurts your feelings, but there is a deeper, um, there is something deeper in the meaning of colorism than just like hurt feelings. You know what I mean? Like, Mixed people, you can totally talk about how you feel like you don't belong in the Black community and how you feel like you're attacked a lot. Sure, of course. But the second dark-skinned women talk about how they don't want to be perceived as aggressive or don't want to be seen as gorillas, and as soon as dark-skinned women talk about how like they have a hard time finding people to take photos of them or have, have a hard time finding um, makeup to match their skin tone or that they have trouble dating because people do not see them as potential love interests but they... And they don't like find them attractive at all you know it's just like excuse me one like you know one side of the argument like I understand that people want to find a middle ground but sometimes the middle ground means that you're going to take away from the more marginalized side of the argument to favor people who just kind of have but her feelings you know what I mean nothing against like y'all or anything but yeah I hope you enjoyed that little tangent I went on about colorism. Um, all in all, mix this just isn't a bad show. I think it's really interesting. I just think like these shows are just kind of cheesy, just like kind of corny, you know. Especially like um when the grandpa walked in, the grandpa Harrison, who is obviously that guy from Veep. I just don't remember his name. But if y'all ever watched Veep, let me know because Veep is a really good show, and I would love to talk about it one day. But The grandpa is just kind of, like, way too racist. He's just, like, kind of, he just, like, kind of, like, he keeps crossing that line. He jumps over the line. He leaps over the line. He's happy to do so. And then, like, Tracy Ellis Ross keeps cutting in as a narrator, like, by the way, just to remind you, this was 1985. It was a different time back then. Just being like, hey, guys, by the way, we're going to write some racist things for this man to say. He's not racist. It's just a character. Don't get mad at us. It was a different time. Okay, we got it. Cool. Like... I don't need you to hold my hand through racism. I get it, I understand completely. I I do hope that there is an episode in Mixedish where like a dark-skinned girl really sits rainbow down and like tells her like, hey, colorism is something that's really huge and a really big deal to me personally. And even though you may not see it, that's because you do not live the life that I live. And you know, we can talk about it, but that doesn't, I'm not gonna diminish your words. I just want to let you know That your feelings are different from like, the actions that may affect me for the rest of my life. You know, like, for real, for real. I do hope that there is an episode like that in the season at some point, or in the future, but I, I wouldn't bet on it because Kenyon Barris also has a show called Black AF, which I have a huge problem with because majority of the children are light-skinned, and his wife is Rashida Jones. Who is the most racially ambiguous person I have ever seen in my life. I didn't know she was black. I know she's like Quincy Jones' daughter, niece. I'm not sure. I love Rashida Jones. Like, I think she's a great director. She's incredibly talented and amazing. I love Rashida Jones. But for you to cast her as the mom, when homegirl looks like, at most, Hispanic, you know, like, she looks, she's very light-skinned, like, very light-skinned, like, to the point that she's just white. If you see her on like Parks and Rec, she's just a white girl but if you see her on black AF they brought out that bomb they brought out that bronzer and they gave that girl a nice brown jawline they gave that girl a nice brown contour in that cheek you know they brought out the nice light brown blush in Miss ma'am they gave her the tan and everything for that show and like how do you have a show called black AF but majority of your cast are light skinned You know, they are black. But it's just like, that's another thing with Hollywood. You know, Hollywood likes to favor light-skinned actors because it feels like the message they're sending out is you can be black, but not too black. Like, you can have black, but as long as your blackness is kind of watered down with at least a little bit of European ancestry, then you good. We good. We Like, that's good with us. That's cool with us. Especially in regards to Netflix. Because so many new shows on Netflix for young adults, like I've already said before, have very light-skinned young black girls in it. You know, like the only other show or movie that has like a dark-skinned black girl that I can think of is Sela and the Spades. And that's on Amazon Prime. And I have yet to watch it, but I am, I am excited to watch it. I think it's really good. So yes, let's move on to the next show, Woke. Woke is a new show on Hulu and I definitely wasn't going to watch it when it came out because it was just like it's about this guy he is a comic book artist and one day he gets um, held to the ground by the police because they think that he's the suspect in the mugging and they realize oh he's not the suspect and like the next thing you know he sees cartoons come to life talking to him and his third eye is open and he's suddenly woke or whatever this is, obvious, this is a show that's based on someone's real life, first of all, I want to say. So I think that it's fine. It's fine that the show is based off of someone's real life. I feel like that makes me give more leeway to it because this is someone's actual experience. And if this was like, if this was like, see you yesterday, I would be like, no. If this was more like something that someone had come up with in a pitch, in like a pitching um, session, and then they made this show just like out of someone's image imagination i definitely would not be watching it but i'm still not going to watch the show because i don't really care about a black person who thought they were special and didn't think that racism would ever affect them in any way and then suddenly they deal with racism in the most extreme and harshest way that it has to force them to like see reality that was always in front of them like you always knew that racism was around racism existed and it would hurt people but you never thought it would be you because you always did the right thing, you follow the right path, and I don't understand why people don't get that respectability is not going to protect you from racism. Your degrees, like money, maybe it won't. Oh, it won't like wholeheartedly a hundred percent like no money back guarantee, like protect you from racism. Nothing can when you're a person of color. Like in one way or another, you'll deal with it in like a microaggression or in like. I hate crime, like it's just something that's inevitable for a lot of people, and I think that you know, shows like Blackish, Woke, Dear White People, uh, what's another show I was gonna talk about? Um, she's, she's gotta have it, I guess. These are shows that take topics about um, social justice, and it feels like somebody would on EverydayFeminism.com and like did a full skim of an article on gentrification and then wrote a scene loosely based off that definition and then put it in the show and then all of the white people at Hulu were like, oh my gosh, genius, masterful, I'm, put it in the show, like let's get the actors together, let's put them in hair and makeup, get them in costumes, let's go, let's film this. That's what it feels like, you know. I think that show's like blackish um, because it's a family dynamic and the show has been on longer. They can... They talk about more topics, and it could be a little bit more flushed out and a bit stronger and everything. But even in Blackish, I just like don't care because Blackish isn't really for me. But like, the comedy is it for me. I like a lot. I like lo- I like some of the actors. Like most of the actors. I guess the only actor I don't like on the show is Anthony Anderson. And I felt like I thought like watching the show would be like mm, maybe I could just kind of ignore him, but I can't because he's just there all the time. And honestly, Andre is just kind of annoying as a character. He's very like selfish, and he always has to insert himself into everything. Like everything has to be about him. Nothing I say to the Anderson or anything, but like Marcus is great. Miles Brown adorable beautiful child, I love him. Marseille Martin, a queen, a legend in the making, an icon, like no one's doing it like her, she is one of a kind. Tracy Ellis Ross, amazing, unstoppable. Uh, y- Yara Zendaya, <laughs> Yara Zendaya, Yara Shahidi, phenomenal, great, beautiful, smart, masterful in her craft. Jennifer Lewis, an icon, no one's doing it like her. Lawrence Fishburne, I mean what else can you say about Lawrence Fishburne other than he is amazing, he deserves like all his things, you know. Oh and Marcus Scribner. Phenomenal. Hilarious. Great. I love him. He's one of a kind. Also great in She-Ra as Bo. You guys should definitely watch She-Ra is what I'm saying. But like you know I guess it's just like the way the shows are written is just like not for me. It's not something that is interesting to me or funny to me. It's not something that piques my interest. It's not something that keeps me hooked and watching and that's fine because like I'm just one person. There are millions upon millions of people who are watching these shows and are very interested in them and love them and, you know, are going to give their full support behind it. And that's great. That's awesome. It means more shows like this are going to be made and it's good to have um, shows that tackle difficult topics. I just wish that there were shows that would take more complex topics because all of these shows kind of feel like a copy and paste of a sociology 101 class. You know, like, I feel like Dear White People, the show, it's a bit more fleshed out than the movie. The movie came out in 2014, and the writer, and I believe also the director of Dear White People is also the creator of the show on Netflix. It's, his name is Justin Simeon, Simeon, yes, he was the film's writer and director, and he would return to write and direct the episodes of the series, now the film by the same name Dear White People it starred Tessa Thompson which was the first thing i had seen her in i think and she was really good in that movie i love dear white people i think it was really good i think it was really great i think that show was perfect for that time period for the time of 2014 i feel like it was the right time for that show to, for that movie to come out because it really was a time where people were just learning about like racism and stuff like that and i feel like it was a really great film that like took um, topics and words that you have heard before but put them in a real life setting of a uh, you know PWI predominantly white institution and Dear White People the Netflix original series it did be it wasn't met with a lot of backlash because of course people are like Dear White People what if we made a Dear Black People what if we made a Dear Hispanic People like dude chill this show is not about you okay and obviously I feel like the show in the beginning was a show to educate white progressive people who aren't as progressive as you think. The show is set at an Ivy League institution called Winchester and it's centered around the students of Armstrong Parker, the historically black um, student hall where the kids, or residence hall where the kids live. And um, there's a black student union led by Sam White who is Logan Browning, a light-skinned girl. And then there is oh gosh. What was it called? It started with the C Core. Yeah, Core. Conservative order. Uh but I don't know. I don't remember. Core was like the conservative part of the conservative black people on the campus and that was led by Coco, who I love. I love Coco. I know that she's like mean and she's a conservative and she wears like Weave or whatever. I love her. I love Antoinette Robinson. She's amazing. I also love Joelle. I think that she is phenomenal as well. Ashley Blaine who plays Joelle is so beautiful and amazing. And watching the first season, I did like it. I did like some parts of it. I thought it was very interesting. And I think like, the f- I watched the first two seasons of the show but by the third season I just like lost interest. I do think it was renewed for its fourth and final season which I think is great. It also makes sense because it's a show based on a college campus, so of course it would follow the kids throughout their, like, um, you know, school career. I do think the show is really good, and it's a comedy drama, it's like a satire, it does focus on a lot of modern American race situations. There is a scene where there's a blackface party, which is like kind of wild, which is the same as the movie. I believe it has a different outcome than the movie, I think it does. But also like, same as the movie, um, Sam White, light-skinned girl, always had, always trying to be like super black, always felt like she wasn't black enough for the black students at school. So she tries to be like so pro-black, it hurts, but she has a white boyfriend and she feels like having a white boyfriend will like hurt her standing in the black student union. it's a great show it's very smart i think one of the like main criticisms one of the one of the dumbest criticisms i have for shows like this is that like these students are too well dressed i guess but also it's like a ivy league institution so of course they're well dressed i do think the show has interesting topics about nepotism and dating and like where you fit in and like i don't know I haven't watched Dear White People in so long, and I think the main reason why I stopped watching it was just like, I don't need people to teach me about race through a television show. I'm not stupid. I know. I know that going to a predominantly white institution can be very hard for someone who's black. I know that if you are open and vocal about race and politics that people will feel threatened and then they may say like, well, is it okay to be white or something like that? Like, is there white guilt? Like, I don't have time to soothe your white guilt, my guy. I'm not upset with you for being white. I'm upset because your ancestors created so many systems within this country that repeatedly put people of color down. I'm upset with your ancestors who colonized Haiti, stole all our resources, raped and you know enslaved our people and we had to revolt and fight back against them but because we chose to revolt against them, France made us pay a debt of billions of dollars to them for choosing to revolt against their colonial rule that it put us in such terrible poverty that still affects us to this day. That's what I'm mad about. I'm mad about the sins of your ancestors. I'm not mad at you, but if you're going to sit in my face and try to act like racism doesn't exist, then, like, you're just blind to what's clearly right in front of you. You know what I mean? And the the show, like, Dear White People, it does talk about that and, like, bring that up. And I think it's a really good show. I think that, like, anybody who is a young black person about to go into college should probably watch the show just to, like, educate themselves a little bit. But, um, yeah, I don't- Oh, also the show She's Gotta Have It. That's the last show I want to talk about. It's a Spike Lee joint, and right off the bat, Spike Lee is very much someone who's, like, very heavy-handed in his politics. I think that he has gotten a little more moderate than he was in his early years of filmmaking. But, um... I feel like Spike Lee was one of the first filmmakers to really represent what was going on in the black community in regards to like poverty and in regards to like gentrification and police brutality. He was one of the first black filmmakers to actually put that on the big screen so that other people could see it, which was what made him such a revolutionary. And I feel like the film She's Gotta Have It was another amazing movie that focused on female sexuality. It was about this woman, Nola Darling, who is dating three other men at the same time. Uh, I don't like the sh- the movie because of the ending, which is very bad. Like, the ending of that movie is not good or solid anyway. I would say watch the movie, but I just want to let you know the ending is very graphic and um, it deals with harassment and it does feel kind of like a punishment for her open sexuality and her exploring what she wants and her own bedroom desires. The show is different, and obviously, a step up from that, it follows DeWanda Wise, who is an amazing actress. Like I'm saying, like these shows, I may not like the shows, but I'm not going to be upset with these actors getting their paycheck, getting their money, and being in like these shows that are like written and directed and created by influential people. Like DeWanda Wise deserves, you know, this show is pretty good for what it is. I do have a few problems. I have had some problems with the show, like. I did watch the first season when it came out and I remember a scene where she literally goes frolicking in a cemetery and I'm just sitting here like what is she doing? I do find it interesting that every episode kind of starts with like a quote from an interesting black author, poet, writer, activist and like the songs are very much- the songs are beautiful. I like that he like shows the album artwork when a song ends in a scene. I think it's really great. I do think the actors are really amazing and very interesting. Nola, she is a painter in New York and she, you know, she's dating three men. One guy is Greer, he's light skinned, he has green eyes, he's self-absorbed. One is Mars, he's played by Anthony Ramos who was uh, Philip Hamilton and also another character in Hamilton. I don't remember exactly but he's Anthony Ramos from Hamilton, that's how I remember him from, that's what I remember him from. Mars is goofy, childish, funny. But he is very like loose in his life. Um there's also what's the guy's name? Sam? No, Jamie. Jamie is more like a traditional guy today, except he's also married with kids. And I don't think that his wife knows about Nola in the show. I'm not exactly sure. I don't remember. But Nola, she loves these men, she's dating all these men. I don't think all these men know about one another and that's another thing about the show that's wrong like in polyamorous in like in what i know from about polyamorous relationships in the research that i did before watching that show um if you're dating multiple people those other people should know about each other because if they don't know each about each other and if they're not aware that there's other people within this relationship that you're having then it's basically just cheating you know polyamory Only works if everybody consents to dating the same person and if everyone's cool with it and if you're not cool with it then you got to figure that out you know have a meeting or something hop on a zoom call talk it out like hug it out whatever and at one point Nola breaks up with all three of these guys and starts dating a woman named Opal now that's a problem a little bit of problem because like it's like oh I don't want men so I'm gonna date a girl now like girl huh And she talks about how she wants to commit to Opal. But Opal has a daughter, you know. And Nola feels very childish. Nola feels very, like, just loose, like a dandelion. And also, Nola doesn't have a solid job. She's a painter. But she only has one art show in the first season. And then, um, she pays her therapist with a painting? So how does she pay for rent? How does she live her life? How does she be able to afford all these art? Like, how does she afford to live in a brownstone? I know those things. I know it's expensive to live in New York City. So you have to have, like, a st- solid job in some way to be able to live there. You know what I mean? I feel like there's another, like, problem with just shows that are based in New York in general. Like, you put these people up in very nice apartments that obviously aren't their actual apartments, but you rented out this apartment for the filming of the show. But how is this person supposed to be able to afford this place to live when they work a job that they that they barely attend to and that they don't get paid a lot of money for now obviously, see they can't have like a full-time job because that will get in that will get in the way of the plot of the show and the progress of the storyline of this character yeah that's a little tangent i just want to go on um there was one other um character in the show the actress's name is China Lane. I forgot to look up the actual um, girl's name. But she's a stripper and she's DeWanda's friend. Oh, her name's Shemekha. Shemekha? Oh. And basically she gets like butt injections. And her butt pops in one episode. Which was horrible to watch. And I didn't like that. I did not appreciate that. Like the whole like butt injections. That was very weird and very strange. And I know that there are women who do that if they're like in that industry like stripping or like whatever it, it may be like dancing um but i don't know i didn't like that i didn't like that at all it made me very uncomfortable and the show was canceled after two seasons i'm not gonna watch the second season i don't care you know the first season was cute it was interesting for what it was but the second season i started watching the first episode and it's obvious that like She's starting to date Opal, but I don't want to keep watching the season to see how she messes that up because Opal seems like a nice lady and her her daughter, Opal's daughter, very cute, very pretty, seems very nice. I don't want to watch the second season to see if Nola messes that up and continues to be a complete mess and just not know how to live her life, okay? I watch TV to escape my mess. I don't need someone else to make a mess of their life right in front of me, you know. I'm gonna judge them too hard and I'm gonna be judging myself and we can't have that. We can't have an existential crisis in front of Netflix because then they're gonna be like, are you still watching it girl? Are you okay? You good? Like, I don't need Netflix questioning my mental sanity, okay? Please. Let me live. Anyways. Um, yeah, all in all, um, I think She's Gotta Have It is a pretty good show. I do think that there are some scenes in there, there are some plot points in there that just aren't that great and maybe it has to do with Spike Lee being the director and the writer of the show. There's one scene where they're at a, like a community meeting and they're talking about how the neighborhood's getting gentrified and at one point the room is just split between black people and white people and the black people scream Black Lives Matter. And the white people scream all lives matter, and when I saw that, I had a pause because that's not something that happens in real life. And I know that like TV doesn't have to mimic real life in every single way, but that just feels a bit too heavy-handed. That's just like a little bit. You're like you're you're not hitting me over the head. You're whacking me in the face with an like a with like an iron. Like you're smacking me in the face with a ba- baseball bat. I know what justification is. I understand. Like this, I get it. You know, we ain't got to see it in every single way. It just like it's it's you know it's too much. Sometimes these shows just feel a bit too preachy and it feel a bit too much like they're trying to teach people about racism, sexism, gentrification, all the buzzwords that people get from Twitter and sometimes misuse. And I think it's good for film and TV to teach people about these important issues that people have to deal with in real life. But I don't, I think that we need to like elevate it a little bit more and dig deeper into the conversation. But let's break it down a little bit, you know, like here in Atlanta, there was a small story breaking out where like the police, um, there was a county police um, department that was cracking down on a certain neighborhood in Atlanta and trying to get people kicked out of those apartments because they wanted people to move out of those apartments, tear them down, build luxury apartments that way rich white people could move in and all the poor black people could move out. And that's the same thing that happened to Breonna Taylor. It was this gentrification plot where they're trying to get people out of those apartments, out of that community, so they could tear those apartments down, build luxury apartments up in there and move in rich white people so they can like bring up the value of the neighborhood because they felt like the black people were bringing the value down. You know what I mean? And like, every single day I think about Breonna Taylor and I think about the mess that, how like she will not receive justice for everything that she's done. And it's not just as simple as like the cops breaking into her home and killing her. It's the cops trying to pin it on her boyfriend. The cops trying to pay off a drug dealer to say that she was involved with the drug trade. It's the gentrification that's in taking in place and the corruption at the state level, at the government level like it's all this stuff that ties into one girl dying and the anger and the frustration that goes into it you know sometimes it's not just like this simple thing in race and sexism there's more to it than that things are so complicated you know that's why i feel so passionate about colorism in hollywood it's not just y'all casting these light-skinned girls all the time it's because you don't think that blacks Dark black skinned girls can be playful and loving and cute and adorable and relatable to a wider audience because Netflix makes shows for everybody. Yes, it is mainly American, but you make these shows so that a wide global audience is interested in it and that it crosses, you know, into different, like, you know, countries and stuff. And obviously, Netflix or these casting directors don't think that dark skinned girls would be enough to bring people in to watch these shows so they constantly cast in these young light-skinned girls who are seen as prettier quieter more demure more relatable and like just like racially ambiguous and they're seen as more beautiful because dark skin is seen as ugly and aggressive and gross and not as lovely as light skin and also dark skin women are seen as more aggressive dark skinned women are more likely to deal with like domestic violence. They're more likely to deal with longer prison sentences. It's not always simply just dating preference. It's not always just the simple thing that you see, that you deal with in your own life. The simple surface, um, it's not just the surface of argument that you have had to fight your whole life. It is deeper. It is at the root. It is in the bottom of the ocean. People deal with things in a more complex way, in a complicated way than you may understand. And I want TV, I want TV shows that are reflect that i want tv shows to take down the you know police brutality but break it down to the bottom to the core like just like tear it all down and like show us like the map like the crazy map i want to see it's always sunny in philadelphia with that guy pointing at the map with all the strays going around and i want racism i want colorism i want gentrification i want it all you know i want a tv show that reflects that and nothing against these shows i think they're really great and awesome but i feel like we've reached the point where like writers need to write more, write deeper, like go deeper, like dig deeper, like give us something more fleshed out, more complicated. I don't want like just like a light-skinned girl trying to bring people together. Like I'm black and white and I can unite people because being black and white, being mixed doesn't always unite people together, you know? Like just because your mom is black and your dad is white, that doesn't always reflect... The possibility of unity in America. Because there are plenty of racist white people who date, sleep with, and marry black people and end up doing terrible things to black people, end up acting terrible to black people to end up being racist. Like, your dating preference, you dating a black person doesn't absolve you of your racism, you know? It's more complex than that. It's more deeper than that. And that's why I want TV to reflect, you know what I mean? And maybe that's like too deep, and maybe that I'm asking too much of network television. And like maybe I should just like leave it alone. And like Kenya Barris make as many TV shows as he wants to with light-skinned women. But what am I? To, who am I? I don't run ABC. I just give Disney all my money. So yeah, and that's it. That's this week. Pot. This. That's oof. Who girl. If only I could speak. If I could. Oh, if only I had words that's this week's podcast thank you so much for listening thank you so much for watching me rant um if you like this podcast you know feel free to subscribe uh on spotify feel free to subscribe on apple Podcasts. if you'd like to watch me rant i always live stream these podcasts on you now so check me out i do want to start live streaming on twitch but it's really hard to like build up an audience on twitch so as soon as i build up an audience here on this podcast we're going to twitch y'all y'all better subscribe and donate to me okay so that's basically it thank you guys so much if you have any suggestions of tv shows or movies that you want me to talk about please hit me up in my email d-u-l-c-i-o-m at hotmail.com and that's about it i really do appreciate y'all listening and i hope you stay blessed